Well, good morning. Isn't it amazing that we're already entering into Thanksgiving week? Seems like, and I'm sure that we say this every year, but it seems like the year's gone really fast. Maybe some of us feel like it's dragged, but I, I, I certainly feel like it's gone really quickly, and I feel like this cold weather is coming way too fast as well. Uh, as Pastor Rich mentioned, I, uh, I've been traveling. I just got back from Tanzania a couple of days ago, and um, it's a rude awakening to get off the plane and for it to be cold, and I know it's only going to get colder as well. Um, but I'm not complaining because we're talking about Thanksgiving today. So, you know, as we enter into this Thanksgiving season, it is a helpful reminder to us of the fact that thanksgiving is a, a vital part of the Christian life. And as uh, you've just heard from Pastor Rich, uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to be taking a little bit of time to talk about the, the power of thanksgiving. In fact, uh, this morning I want to take some time to uh, specifically talk about the, the basis for our giving thanks. And then next week, the benefits of thanksgiving. But the truth of the matter is that thanksgiving is, is not always easy. The holiday that we call thanksgiving can sometimes be challenging and even overwhelming, and especially, especially for those of us who have lost loved ones or find ourselves apart from people who are dear to us. It can be a season that is mixed with that dose of pain. But even in the process of being a thankful people, that's not always easy. Now, now some of you find it easier than others. If I'm honest, I'm probably a glass half empty kind of person. And so it's often easier for those of us who may be a little bit more on that side of things to find things to complain about, to find the problems in every situation rather than to immediately go to that idea of thankfulness. Sometimes we struggle with thanksgiving because our focus is very much on the circumstances that are in front of us. And all we can see is the things that we would rather have differently. For some of us through this past year and a half with COVID, we have really struggled with not allowing the circumstances that are directly in front of us to overwhelm us. And we found it hard at different times to be thankful. At other times, we find it hard to be thankful, not so much because of the circumstances, but because of something related to that and this, this sense of lack. Uh, we immediately focus on what we don't have rather than stopping and celebrating what we do have. And one of the wonderful things about carving out this day, this week, a day of thanksgiving, is that it reminds us to stop. It reminds us to reflect. It reminds us to do as the old hymn says, to count our blessings. 
that this morning as we think about this idea of thanksgiving, and as I want us to spend some time reflecting on the basis for thanksgiving, I'm reminded that even this holiday that we celebrate is based in the proper basis of thanksgiving, and that is that true thanksgiving is based on God himself. In fact, the mercy and grace of God that is shown through Jesus Christ is the basis of true thanksgiving. The pilgrims praised God and thanked him. George Washington, in his presidential proclamation, stated these words, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and to humbly implore His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress by their joint committee have requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God. He goes on to say, Now therefore I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, it was at least in 1789, the 26th, uh, next, to be, de- uh, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being, who is the beneficent author of all good that was, that is, or that will be, that, uh, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to becoming a nation, uh, for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence. Wow, they sure used big words back then, and in general, for all of the great and various favors that he hath been pleased to confer upon us. And also, that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations, and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions, to enable us, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually. And then he goes on to speak about the fact that through doing so, we are to promote the knowledge and the practice of true religion and and virtue and to increase in the science among them and the general ability to be of benefit to all mankind. The presidential proclamation acknowledged the basis of proper thanksgiving is to fix our eyes again on him to whom we give thanks. And of course, all through the scriptures, we see that same instruction. In Psalm 136, verse 1, for example, we read, Give thanks to the Lord, for uh, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever, and over and over again from Genesis to Revelation. Thanksgiving is always rooted 
in the idea that we have one to whom we are to be thankful. And we can be thankful to him because of his mercy and his grace. And as we come to find through the pages of the New Testament, that mercy and that grace is given us through Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we spend a bit of time thinking about this basis, we're going to look together in the New Testament letter of Colossians, and uh, uh, specifically in Colossians chapter 1, we're going to lo- look at a short passage and then a, at a prayer that the Apostle Paul prays for this church. Then next week, when we look at the benefits of Thanksgiving, we're going to continue in Colossians because this idea of Thanksgiving is actually a major theme within this book. So if you have a Bible with you, join me there, Colossians chapter 1, as we again see that the basis of true thanksgiving is the mercy and the grace of God as shown through Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, here the word of the Lord declares, we always thank God. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven, of this you heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day that you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. We're not going to go into a great deal of depth into these verses this morning, but what we do see here, what we're reminded of, is the fact that just as Paul was thankful to God for for this concerning the Colossians, so we can be thankful to God for His gracious and merciful work in and through His people. You know, one of the reasons why sometimes Thanksgiving can be difficult or sometimes it can be misplaced is the fact that we don't always know what we ought to initially be thankful for. Our Thanksgiving oftentimes is for surface things is for what we might consider to be the the benefits, but they are detached from the basis. Perhaps in your home, as in mine, on Thanksgiving Day, you take a little bit of time to go around the table and everybody shares something that they are, are thankful for. Now, one of the things about having small children is that you hear all sorts of peculiar things to be thankful for. You know, it's, they're put on the spot, and it's, uh, I'm thankful for bunny rabbits. And it's like, well, that's a good thing to be thankful for, and we can thank God for that. But immediately our, our minds go to, I'm thankful for toys. I'm thankful for, uh, I'm thankful for video games. And, and there's nothing wrong with having a heart of gratitude and thankfulness, but, but we always need to remember who it is that we're thankful to, who is the provider of every good and perfect gift. 
And one of the ways in which we can make sure that we keep the the basis of our thanksgiving in the right place is to have eyes that are open for God's gracious and merciful work in and through his people. Now, Paul, as he writes here at the beginning of this letter, says to them, every time I think of you, I praise God thanking him for you and thanking him specifically for the way in which the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ and salvation through him is bearing fruit in your lives. And so he is praising God for God's mercy and grace exhibited and displayed through other people. And, and he also says that, I, and I praise God for Epaphras, this faithful servant, this beloved partner in ministry who brought the gospel to you. One of the things that those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ can and perhaps ought to be thankful for and rejoice in and constantly keep before our minds and our hearts and our eyes is the fact that we serve a God who is on the move. We serve a God who today is transforming lives. We serve a God who is moving and working not only in this church and in this community, but across the nations. And as we've just heard about TTI, the Timothy Initiative, and the incredible work that they're doing of planting churches. You know, every one of those church that they plant, churches that they plant represents a transformed life. And not just a single transformed life, multiple transformed lives. There are no churches without transformed lives. One of the challenges, and we'll dig into this a little bit more next week, but one of the challenges that we face in the church of Jesus Christ is that it is easy to be critical of others. It is easy to find ourselves in in division over secondary issues because we have forgot to look and to celebrate the mercy and grace of God in the lives of people around us. You know, it's very hard to be angry or opposed to or argumentative with a person who you are praising God for. And what Paul, as he begins this letter, lets them know, he wants to encourage them. He says, I want you to know I pray for you. I want you to know that I praise God for you. I want you to know that I am so thankful because everything I hear about you, because what I see in your lives is that God has shown you mercy and grace and that is bearing fruit And as I see God's work in your life, it motivates me to thanksgiving. 
I want to encourage you. I want to encourage myself to make sure that you are close enough to others in this body that you are able to witness the mercy and grace of God in their lives. But more than that, I want to encourage you to encourage them when you see fruit, when you recognize that God is doing something in their life, would you, would you first of all praise God for that? And secondly, would you say, hey, I just want you to know, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if you recognize this or not, but I am so encouraged when I look at what God is doing in your life. It helps to strengthen my faith. And, and, and so I just want to say thank you and keep on pursuing him. Keep on pursuing him. Because you see, if the mercy and grace of God demonstrated through Jesus Christ into the lives of his people is the basis for true thanksgiving, then we need to make sure that we take time to fix our eyes, to fix our gaze on the lives of others in such a way that we can see and rejoice in them. Paul also rejoices over Epaphras, a servant of the Lord ministering on behalf of the folks there in Colossae. You know what? One of the things that we often experience, sadly, is that leaders in our day are easy pickings for criticism, for opposition, for speaking against, whether it be leaders in a community, leaders in a church, or leaders in a nation. But if we believe that our sovereign God, who is merciful and gracious, has established every authority, then we have an opportunity and a responsibility to take care over what we say about those that God has sovereignly placed over us and to give thanks to Him for His mercy and grace that we get to benefit from as a result of the leaders that He has set in place. Some of us, that's hard. Some of us, we struggle with that. How do I know? Well, I've seen your Facebook posts. I've heard some conversations. You know, believers in China, they don't speak against their government, not because of fear, but because they recognize that God in His sovereignty, in His wisdom, in His mercy, and His grace has set this government over them. And theirs is not to complain, but to praise God for His wisdom and to humble themselves in obedience to His Word. Now, specifically here in Colossians chapter 1, the 
thanksgiving uh, that Paul is talking about with a leader is, is Epaphras. And so a very practical uh, way in which we can apply this passage is to recognize that God has brought into each of our lives some who he has set in positions of spiritual oversight and influence and authority. And we need to pray for them. We need to thank God for them, even if there are times where we don't, uh, don't always agree with every decision that they make. We can rejoice because of God's mercy and his grace in allowing them to be a part of our lives. So I would encourage you, pray for the elders here. Pray for the pastors here. Pray for the ministry leaders here. And thank God for them. Again, we're going to talk more about the benefits of Thanksgiving next week. But one of the best safe guards for a healthy church is a thankful people. So, we're reminded of this even in this opening of this letter. And we're reminded specifically of the fact that it is God's grace, it is His mercy, it is His working that we are thankful for. That's why, for example, uh, in, to the Thessalonians, when the Apostle Paul writes, give thanks in all circumstances, he is not telling us that we have to like every situation and circumstance that we may face. But we are giving thanks to God in all circumstances. Why? Because we know who God is and what He is like. We rejoice in His goodness and His faithfulness, His mercy and His grace, and that that is unchanging regardless of our circumstances. And so the basis for thanksgiving is the mercy and grace of God as seen through Jesus Christ. And we see that then as the Apostle Paul continues. He moves from talking about the fact that we can be thankful to God for His grace and mercy uh, and His work in and through His people to recognizing that we ought then to pray for one another, that we might be rooted and thankful through our knowledge of God and what He's done for us. Look with me at verse 9 of chapter 1 and following. Here he says, And so from the day that we heard... We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have here a wonderful gospel declaration, but this is a prayer that he's praying on behalf of the folks there in the ancient city of Colossae, the believers there. And actually, this is one of my favorite prayers in all of Scripture. Now, what's really interesting here is that we actually see just one request 
and then five results of that request. And it was here, and there it is. <laughs> so he starts off, and so from the day that we heard, in other words, when we first heard about how God is at work in your life, we have not ceased to pray for you. And here's the request, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So we've seen that he, he's, he's thankful to God for the way that God is at work in his life. And he says, and, and, and so I pray for you. And here's my one request. When I pray for you, here's the thing I request. Say, God, would you fill them with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Now, if you want to know how to pray for me, pray this for me. And some of us are probably sat here and like, yeah, I want to know God's will. I want to have the spiritual wisdom and understanding. What is it that Paul is talking about here? When he speaks about being filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, it is a recognition, first of all, that, that knowing the will of God is, is inseparably linked to knowing God. Uh, just as in the book of Proverbs, for example, we see that the the, the Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in that context there within Proverbs, this idea of the fear of the Lord is, is having a right and accurate understanding of God is the beginning of wisdom. Well, here, the idea is not so much that we just know about God. It is that he's praying that, that they would have such a, an intimate understanding and experience of who God is and that they would have the spiritual wisdom and understanding to know how to live in light of that. Wisdom and understanding, when we see them in the pages of Scripture, always have to do with applying knowledge. It is truth applied. It is the skill of living life before God. You see, there's a lot of people who, who know information about God. There's a lot of people who can uh, tell you information that they've gleaned through Bible studies. But, but this spiritual wisdom and understanding is not some mystical knowledge. It is this idea of having the ability to put into practice and understand how knowing God impacts every area of life. And so this is what he's praying for them. And he's praying this with these results so as to, first of all, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Hopefully you hear that and it's like, yeah, I, I want that for my life. I want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Well, it begins with having a right and accurate knowledge of God that then informs everything. And so this idea that, that the mercy and grace of God exhibited through Jesus Christ is the, is the basis for our thanksgiving, we can actually expand that statement and say it is the, the mercy and the grace of God exhibited through Jesus Christ that is the basis for the whole Christian life. You want to know how to live in a way that honors God? May you be filled then with the knowledge of his will, who he is, what he's like, what his heart delights in, 
and put that into practice. And so, as we are filled with that knowledge, we walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. And we've talked about this before, but this idea of walking is literally what it sounds like, step by step, moment by moment, day by day, in a deliberate and intentional direction. In other words, the character of our life in every part would be such that reflects and honors God bearing fruit in every good work. Now, Paul's already in the verses that we looked at briefly from verse 3 onwards, celebrated the fact that the gospel was bearing fruit. In other words, it was transforming their lives, their attitudes, their ideas, their opinions, the way that they lived in every part. And again, he's saying, I'm praying for you that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you would bear fruit in every good work. Now, to bear fruit is literally to, to, to see the results of that transformation bubbling to the surface, to see a change coming about, to, to witness in a tangible, visible way the transforming work of God in our lives. And so that bearing of fruit, it looks different. Sometimes it is, it, it, it is very obvious. Sometimes it is less obvious, but still powerful nonetheless. We think of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5, of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Incidentally, that's a singular fruit, so you can't say, well, I'm doing pretty well in one, but, you know, the other one, the the whole self-control thing, not so much. No, it's a growth in all of those. There is the fruit of obedience. There is a, a fruit that is demonstrated as others are able to see, and as we talked about, are then able to rejoice with thanksgiving to God as they see His work of grace and mercy in our lives. Here's the wonderful, wonderful truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single believer, everyone who is truly in Christ, will bear fruit. Isn't that good? Sometimes in the Christian life, we have this idea that we're supposed to sort of stand there and, and be like, I will bear fruit, I will bear fruit, I will bear fruit. You know, a tree doesn't have to stand there and will itself to bear fruit. It's, it, it bears fruit naturally. And so in the Christian life, Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. He's, he talked about the, the fact that he is the vine dresser that he cuts off unfruitful branches so that the remaining ones will bear fruit. Some of us know what it is to have have things lopped off in our lives. It's not pleasant. Sometimes it's very painful. But God is the, the master vine dresser is preparing us for fruit bearing. And here... In this prayer, this is what he's praying would be the result of their growth in the knowledge of God's will with spiritual wisdom and understanding. That they would increase in the knowledge of God. Number three, it seems strange when he, the request here is that you may be filled with the knowledge of, 
of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding to then kind of repeat it, increasing in the knowledge of God. In other words, what he's saying is that none of us ever arrive. We continue as we walk with Christ. We continue as we grow in this spiritual wisdom and understanding, as we know God more, to have a hunger to to know him more, to keep on knowing him, to grow in him. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So he prays, as you know God's will and as you live it out, that God would strengthen you with his power. The wonderful news of the, of the Christian life is that we don't do it in our own strength. Some of us are exhausted because we are relying on our own limited resource rather than coming back time and time to the Lord and saying, Lord, am I doing the things that you would have me do or am I piling on my plate stuff that you never intended me to do? And Lord, am I doing this in my own effort, my own energy, my own wisdom, my own strength, or am I doing it in yours? Lord, I pray that I would be, that I would be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might. God's strength... is super abundant. He never runs out of it. And he gives it. And we can rejoice in that. We can give him thanks for the provision he makes. But I got to tell you, I don't like this statement that much. According to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, the language here is a little challenging. Some of your translations We'll move joy to the next one, joyfully giving thanks. But I think the best way to understand it is this one here, for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, one of the reasons I have a hard time with that is endurance and patience, in my mind, don't go together with joy. I don't like being patient. And endurance means that it's hard. And, and so I'm not usually joyful about things that are hard, But again, he's praying for them that as they grow in this knowledge of God and with all spiritual wisdom and understanding that they would know the strength that God gives. And as they know the strength that he gives, they would find that it is sufficient. It is sufficient for those times when you don't feel like you can keep going. It is sufficient for those times when you feel exhausted. It is sufficient for those times that you feel afraid and you just want to give up. It is sufficient for those times where God says, wait. And it is so sufficient that we can have joy that makes no sense to a watching world in the midst of hardship that requires endurance, in the midst of patience that none of us want. Because we recognize that God is the one who is at work. And then, as a result of that, that we would give thanks to the Father, I love this, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So he brings it back around again to this idea of thanksgiving, that, that as we grow in the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that these things would be produced in our life and that it would result in this thanksgiving. And what's the basis of the thanksgiving? That God the Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I love that word qualified. 
Some of us have been through uh, uh, programs of study. Some of us have been through certification programs or, or continuing education because we have to make sure that we are qualified for the job that we do or for a particular task within that job. And so we often think of this idea of, you know, like a test. It's like, I've got to take my qualification test. The wonderful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ is you don't have to qualify because Christ has already qualified you. You and I bring nothing to the table but because of the mercy and grace of God through Jesus Christ, that through faith in Him, you have been eternally qualified to share in the heavenly inheritance that belongs to all of the holy saints, all believers from every generation, from every tribe and tongue and nation who have been purchased by Jesus Christ. That's good news. But again, our thanksgiving here, our giving thanks, is, is not so much even about the, the benefits, it is about the mercy and the grace of God that opens the door to those benefits. So it may be that you have a hard time knowing how to be thankful. It may be that, you, uh, that uh, uh, when you go around the table and you give a, a, something that you're thankful for, and it's kind of that surfacey sort of thing, I'm thankful for bunny rabbits. But maybe you need to stop. And you need to remember, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that there is a world of thankfulness when we remember that the God of heaven has lavished his mercy and his grace upon you through Jesus Christ and that true thankfulness begins with thankfulness to him for who he is and for what he has done And he goes on here and he reminds us of this glorious truth of the gospel when in verse 13 and 14 he says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And again, a wonderful declaration of what takes place when a person comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are qualified as a member of the family of God. They are transferred, having been delivered from the domain of darkness, they are transferred into the kingdom of the beloved Son. This picture here is literally that we were slaves under the mastery of sin and darkness. But through Christ, when we come to him by faith, because of what he has done in dying for our sins, paying the price, rising again, that those who come by faith are then picked up out of that old kingdom and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so you see, the picture here is that while we were once slaves to a ruthless master, we have been set free and we are now slaves, servants to a glorious master. And our new identity, if indeed you are in Christ, is one that rejoices 
in the mercy and the grace that has been lavished to us, that we have been brought from darkness to light, from death to life, from condemnation to salvation. All because of mercy and all because of grace. So how do we respond? We ought to have a thankful response. We need to recognize the basis of true thanksgiving is this mercy and grace of God. Now, this passage, while we've looked at it very quickly, some of you may think it's been slow, but believe me, it's been quick. While this passage has this wonderful declaration of the gospel here, I would be remiss if I didn't point out the fact that our response to this, if we have never ourselves come to that place of being picked up out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of the beloved Son, if we have never before had our sins forgiven because of the work of Jesus Christ, then the, the desperately urgent response is that you will come to a place where you are able to truly give thanks to God having received His mercy, having received His grace. And that is available to you today. If you would acknowledge before the Lord that you have gone your own way, that you have sinned against a holy God, that your life has been lived not for for His glory, but for your own. You will come to that place of acknowledging that Jesus Christ gave His life for you died on the cross for your sins and mine to pay a penalty and a debt that we could not afford the consequences, the condemnation of our sin against a holy God. Jesus bore that for you. But because of His great love and mercy, He took it on Himself so that you would no longer have to bear it and you could instead have His righteousness. As we go into Thanksgiving week, I want to plead with you, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you don't leave here today without clicking on the link to, to speak to somebody if you're watching online, or grabbing one of the pastors, or in fact, anybody who's been here on the platform this morning, and saying, I want to take that step. I want to know what it is to taste of and to be thankful for the mercy and grace of God in my life to follow Jesus. We ought to, those of us who have come to know the Lord, we ought to come to a passage like this and commit to pray this prayer for someone else this week. Maybe there's someone in your life, maybe another believer that you can think of who's going through a hard time, who's facing difficulties and is maybe feeling like they don't know how to be thankful in this season. Or maybe a family member, maybe for our children. Oh, what a great prayer this would be even for a child dedication. Pray this, maybe to commit to take every day this week, this Thanksgiving week, and to pray this for somebody in your life, that God would so fill them with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding that these things would be born out in their life. And finally, as we go into Thanksgiving week, I want to encourage us to develop the discipline of Thanksgiving by beginning each day with a reminder of God's mercy and grace toward you in Christ. 
It's one of the reasons that we open the Scriptures each morning, and it's a good practice to have that quiet time with the Lord, to remind ourselves. But don't just read in order to get through whatever the chapter for the day is. Look there in the text and say, God, would you help me to see your mercy and your grace toward me here in this passage? I, I'll tell you, it's in every passage. It's in everywhere. Or to set aside some time and say, okay, how can I reflect today on how God has been merciful to me? Maybe this week, instead of just going around the table once on Thanksgiving Day, maybe, maybe take time with your family each day. Maybe before the kids go to bed and say, hey, what's something we can thank God for today? And when they're tempted to say, I thank God for bunny rabbits. You say, yeah, we can thank him for that, but how about we also thank him for the mercy he's shown us? Can you think of how he's shown us mercy today? Can you think of how he's shown us grace today? The basis of true thanksgiving as we enter not only into this Thanksgiving week, but in fact in every area of our lives is that we must keep our eyes so fixed on him that we remember that when we give thanks, we give thanks to Him for who He is and for what He's done. And my prayer for us, and I invite you to pray with me now, is, Lord, would You so fill each one of us this day with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That each one of us would know what it is to walk in a manner worthy of you, fully pleasing to you and bearing fruit in every good work. Lord, would you teach us to increase in the knowledge of who you are and what you have done? And Lord, I pray that we would be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might. Lord, for those who are feeling weak and weary and overwhelmed, that they would know your strength. For those who feel that they have their own sufficiency, Lord, that they would learn to be strengthened with your strength. And that you would grant us endurance and patience, whatever it is that we're facing, that is so lined with joy that we marvel in it and that others who see our lives would marvel too. Most of all, Lord, would you cause us to give thanks to you, our glorious Father, for those of us who are in Christ have been qualified now to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. We thank you that you have delivered us from the domain of darkness, that you have transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved Son, Therefore, Lord, help us to live this day and every day as kingdom people, honoring you in all things. And finally, Lord, should there be any who even today or under the sound of my voice have never experienced that transference from darkness to light and from death to life, I plead with you, Lord, may today be the day of salvation for me. May your spirit awaken them this day 
that they would rejoice and give thanks to you and call on you as Savior. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.